Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? It's a fine Sunday morning to be worshiping our risen Savior together. Today, we continue our sermon series on unafraid, which is the posture that we are called to have. It's not that we won't have fear, because we will, but that we choose not to let fear dictate and rule our lives, but rather face that fear with our faith. Last week, we talked about it in general. This week, we're going to talk about the public fear And this is one of those sermons which I hope makes you squirm in your seat a little bit. And if I haven't said something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable today, then maybe I didn't do my job right. And that's okay. And you don't have to agree with everything I said. But I want you to know that we're going to talk about some difficult things today. Because there are things in our our culture that we are called, we're told to be afraid of. And that fear leads to hate. And that hate is not what God wants for us. Rather, we are called to live by the love of Christ. So I'm, I'm just curious, I want to know, I told you a little bit about some of my fears, what are, what's, what's one of your fears? Just shout them out. What are something, and I don't mean like, oh, I'm afraid of spiders. Now, if you go running anytime you see a spider, that's a legitimate fear. But what, what are some things that y'all are afraid of? Rejection. Rejection. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. What else? Separation. Separation. Judgment. Judgment. What else? Just, just shout them out. Financial failure. Financial failure. Failure. failure in general. Yeah. Death, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. And failure, these are things we're going to talk about. What else? Oh, being misunderstood, absolutely. Anything else? Change, so I hear change. Is it something else over here? Loss of a child. Loss of a child, yeah, absolutely. Parents, right? That's a huge one. Anything that might happen to our children. Like Josh says, I have a desperate fear of rejection. I think that's one of the things that we, you know, bond, that we hold in common This last week, I went to this awesome conference with World Vision. Many of you know I'm running a marathon this year. It's going okay, the the training. I've I've missed some of my weeks, but I'm going to get back on it. It's going to be good. Uh, But I'm running a marathon. I'm not just running a marathon to run it. I'm doing it to let people know that the number one killer of children, you said a fear of of your kids dying is is a great fear for you. The number one thing that kills children across the world is a lack of clean water. And so we, we believe that we can end that. And so because I'm a part of that and they want to inspire churches to work with them, they invited me and a bunch of other pastors to this conference. And I thought it was going to be, you know, me and maybe like 30 or 40 pastors, but it was me and like 600 pastors. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I kind of went into my shell. And I know maybe this is hard for you to believe because you see me up here and, and, I, and out there and, and with you guys, I'm friendly and I'm outgoing, but I'm really terrified of crowds, and I'm terrified of, of just being myself in a large group of people. And so for the first day and a half, I really kind of withdrew into myself. I didn't make the connections that I was hoping to make. I was having a hard time in worship because I was afraid. And what's amazing is so many of the speakers over this past week were talking about that we experience God when we step through fear. That so many of the things that God asks us to do are to encounter fear. They're scary. They're difficult. And when we step through that fear, that's when God is revealed. And that happened to me this week. In the midst of worship, one of our last worship sessions, which kind of breaks my heart that it had happened at the end, God really broke through. And I really experienced God in a powerful way after I got through my fear. And it just became this whole new thing of Meeting, other, meeting these pastors and these people from World Vision who are passionate about helping the most vulnerable people in our world. And it was incredible. So when we talk about fear and facing our fear with faith, examining our assumptions in the light of facts, attacking our anxieties with actions, and releasing our cares to God, that, that fear um, 
acronym that I gave you all last week. When we talk about doing that, that is going to allow us to be the people that God wants us to be. That's, That's who God wants us to be. The reality is our world is changing at a rate not seen in a long time. You know, we went from this Christian world where it was kind of like Jerusalem, where most people in our country said they were Christian. And still today, most people still believe they're Christian, but that that number is shrinking. Now, I would argue that even in this Christian world, that maybe it had the veneer of Christianity, but it wasn't true necessarily Christianity for everyone. A lot of people proclaimed it, but it was as... One writer said it was a mile wide and an inch deep, but it was safe to be a Christian, right? Now we have, it's like we've gone into exile and it's this digital Babylon is what uh, David Kinnaman calls it, a digital Babylon that we find ourselves into where many people look down on you now if you're a Christian, right? It may cost you something to be a Christian. And not only that, but in the midst of this, this Babylon where people may not even appreciate the fact that you're a Christian or may hate you because you believe, in the midst of that, we're just getting information thrown at us at, a, at an astronomical rate, so much so that it feels like one year is actually four years, but because we, we are just encountering so much information. And we don't know how to deal with this. We don't know how to deal with this digital age. Uh, Brad Kinneman, when he was talking, was sharing that one young person said that they watched The Office, which is a, you know, a, a parody they watch The Office to learn what, how to be cool in an office. <laughs> and they said this unironically. And this is the problem. We have so much information that people don't know truth from, from false or and the reality from fake, right? And in the midst of all of this, we have politicians, right, who want to stir up fear within us. Now, this has been the case for as long as there have been politicians, but it seems like we're, we're at a heightened time of this. We're we stir up fear and we get to control you because fear leads to hate. Hate is controllable. Love is not nearly as controllable as hate. If I can get you to hate someone, I can get you to vote for me. And we're seeing that more and more and more in society. And so a politician's job is to drive up fear, this public fear that we have, and then it kind of feeds on itself so that more people are afraid today than ever before. And then we have our news media who, because they have these 24-hour channels, and they want you to tune in all the time, right? They want you to be afraid. They want you to be focused. They want you to be like zoomed in and paying attention. And so they, we've seen this rise of fear language in, in their message. I came across one article, and it was talking about how to write headlines so people will click on your page, right? Here's where some of the, the suggested ones, and this is not a parody website. They're like, this is how you stir up fear. I was shocked that they would speak about it in such open terms, And not as like, oh, hey, you need to keep this a secret, but just their desire is to make you afraid so you will click. And you've probably seen some of these headlines. What will you do when, insert headline, when the bad people come for you or someone breaks into your house? How safe is your blank from blank, right? We're making people afraid so they'll click. The shocking truth about fill in the blank. The biggest lie, blank, someone that you trust is telling you crisis, disaster, emergency. They're stirring up our fears so that we will pay attention and we're way more afraid than our situation really deserves. This actually, it said this in the article, these fears can and should highlight in your headlines to further tug at the root of why your audience should click 
sign up and pay attention. Molly Ball wrote in the Atlantic this, fear is in the air and fear is surging. Americans are more afraid today than they have been in a long time. Polls show a majority of Americans worried about being victims of terrorism and crime, numbers that have surged over the past years and not seen for more than a decade. Every week seems to bring a new or large-scale or small-scale terrorist attack at home or abroad, and mass shootings form a constant drumbeat. Protests have shut down large cities repeatedly, and some have turned violent. These are real things. These are things we actually should be concerned about, and I believe as faithful people talk about how we can address some of those. And yet, it is still the safest time to be alive in human history. And we are so afraid. And if you want to be a successful person, you can't let that fear hold you back from what you want to do. And more importantly, if you want to be a person called by God and live faithfully, you cannot let fear rule your life. We have to act faithfully, even in the midst of the most difficult times, even when the world seems to be crumbling around us, we still have to act faithfully and not live by fear. So we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about this. This is one of my favorite verses. This is Psalm 46, one through two. It says, God is our refuge and strength. A help is always near in times of trouble. That's why we won't be afraid when the world falls apart, when the mountains crumble into the center of the sea. God is our refuge. A refuge is a place of shelter. When you are feeling afraid, do you is the first reaction that you have to turn to God, to get on your knees and pray and say, God, I need your help? Because that's what Scripture tells us, that God is our refuge, that even in the dark times, that that is who we should go to. That our, our response isn't to react to the fear, but to go to God. God is our strength. So in the, in the midst of when we are afraid, when we are feeling fear assail us from all sides, God is what empowers us. God is what strengthens us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have strength through God. And this is what it says. If we do those things, we won't be afraid when the world falls apart, when the mountains crumble into the center of the sea. What the psalmist is saying is that if we have God as our refuge and our strength, even in the worst situation, we've all been in here when our life has felt like it's crumbling, right? When it's felt like you're falling into the sea, right? If you're in that situation, turn to God as your refuge and your strength. Because God will support you. God doesn't necessarily take it away. God doesn't prevent the bad things from happening. But God will be your shelter and God will be your strength. I want to talk about some of our biggest public fears that we have today. And I think one of the number ones is people who are different. And the number one thing on that is of different races. races. Racism makes me so incredibly angry. It, it hurts me at a deep level that there was a point in our history where people of different color couldn't drink from the same water fountain. That white people made it so that people of color could not drink from the same water fountain, as if they were something less. And that wasn't thousands of years ago. That was 60 years ago. That's in our lifetime. And it hasn't gone away. I think things are better. We've made some progress. But we've certainly seen a rise of racism in the last few years. And the truth of Scripture, the truth of what God says, is that we are all made in the image of God. We are unique. We have some things that are different about us, but we are one people. 
We are one people. We are made in God's image. And our uniqueness, we don't deny that we're unique and have different cultures and different ways of doing things. We celebrate it because God has provided those uniquenesses. But we have to fight every impulse of racism, every impulse of hate, every impulse of differences. It is natural for humans to dislike what is different. But that is not what God calls us to. There is nothing in Christianity that says that you can hate another person. Another thing that we fear is people of different religions. I'm a Christian because I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I'm a Christian because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. However, that does not allow me to be a jerk. That does not allow me to go to people of other religions and yell at them and tell them that they're wrong. The best way to get other people of different religions to respect you and listen to what you have to believe, believe and think is by listening to them and by loving them. And even if you somehow think that people of other religions are the enemy, go back to Jesus. And what does Jesus tell us to do to our enemies? Love them, right? And not in some fake way, in some made-up way where we say we love them, but we're really just saying that nicely because we don't want to, but we don't actually want to live differently. We're supposed to love them as they're part of our family. If someone hates you, you're supposed to love them as Christ loves you. Christ went to the cross for them as much as Christ went to the cross for you. So don't fear people of different religions. Love them. We fear people who have different politics than us, don't we? And I think in this digital Babylon that we're in, this has just gotten worse. We're not so much concerned with being right anymore. We're so much more concerned with making sure the other person is wrong and telling them how they're wrong. And I'm so sick of people who are Republicans who look at liberals and Democrats and say, you are stupid and ignorant for what you believe. And I'm so sick of Democrats who look at conservatives and Republicans and think that they're stupid and ignorant just because they believe or think differently. There's no political party that will save you. The only thing in this world that will save you is Jesus Christ. So stop looking to the Republicans and stop looking to the Democrats for salvation. And you know, Jesus shows us the way in this too. Jesus, one of his disciples was a zealot, and another one of his disciples was a tax collector. Now let's think about that for a second. A tax collector collected money for the Roman Empire. A zealot said that the Roman Empire was the problem and was out to kill the Roman Empire. And Jesus brought both of them into his inner circle. That tells us how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to bring people from different perspectives and different viewpoints and love them and have conversations and listen and be open to them and love them with the love of Christ and know that Jesus' way is probably not wrapped up in either party. But a third way that's even better, and it begins with love and respect. We're afraid because of crime and terrorism and violence. These are real tangible issues. They really are. And I am so thankful for our police officers and our FBI and our military who makes our country as safe as it possibly can be. I'm so thankful for that. Do not hear anything I'm saying as, as a remark against any of those people, okay? However, it's not as bad as we think it is. Violent crime has decreased incredibly over the past 25 years while people think that violent crime is on the rise. Now, there are some places where violent crime is rising, and we need to address those issues, and we need to think about them. But the response isn't out of fear to throw everybody in jail. We have more people in jail today than any other time in our history, right? And we think that the answer is just throwing everybody in jail who commits a crime. And that jail to, um, is not to redeem or reconcile them. 
It's just to punish them. That's not what we're about as Christians. We're not just about punishment. We're about actually helping people to be better. Now, it's not easy. I don't have an easy solution. I'm not telling you I have some one, two, three solution for you. But we're not just called to do what is easy. As Christians, we need to find out. We need to figure out what the hard answers are and not just assume that jail is the solution. Terrorism. Again, one of the reasons that we don't have a lot of terrorist attacks are because of our our police and the FBI and because of our military, right? However, however, I do not think the way we're handling terrorism worldwide is the way to do it. Did you know at one point that America was bombing people in seven different nations? I don't believe we can fix this problem with violence. Now, you may call me naive. I don't care. I'm a person who believes that love is the answer. I don't know what that looks like on a political. I'm not saying there's an easy answer. But I do know if we went to where it was dangerous and showed people our love, that maybe they wouldn't want to attack us. But if we go and we attack them, all they're going to want to do is attack us back. It certainly hasn't worked over the last 100 years. And it's going to continue not to work. In fact, Jesus preaches that violence leads to more violence. The only thing that breaks the cycle of violence is love. And sometimes we're going to have to go to war as a nation. But we should weep. We should be incredibly heartbroken as a people of God when that is a reality. And we should pray for peace and find out what we can do as a church to be a part of that. Another thing we often fear are people in poverty. And I think that's oftentimes because where there is poverty, there's a lot of crime. Now, you could say that that's because of the people who are in poverty and maybe there's something wrong with them. That's not what I believe. I believe that the reason there's a lot of crime with people who are poor is because they lack hope and they lack opportunity. In fact, Jesus, Jesus is very clear about who he came to proclaim his good news to, and that's to the poor. But you know, I didn't win him any favors either. This is what he said. This is the very first thing. This is in Luke. This is what Jesus says his mission is all about. And he's quoting Isaiah here. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and to liberate the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know what the, the synagogue's response to that was? To run them out and try to throw them off a cliff. Because we don't want to. We don't want to proclaim good news to the poor. We don't want to liberate the prisoners. We don't want to liberate the oppressed. Because that's difficult and that's hard. I don't have all the answers. That's one reason I love World Vision is they go in some of the most poor and most vulnerable people and they don't speak for, the, for them. They don't try to be the voice for the voiceless. They walk alongside them. They empower them. They educate them. They give them their basic needs and then it's a local solution. And the people of those villages, and they are the ones who build the water wells. They're the ones who build the schools and educate their children. Again, I don't have all the answers this morning. All I'm saying is that we need to stop responding out of fear and respond out of love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear expects punishment. The person who is afraid has not been made perfect in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. You know, Jesus, he says, when you welcome the stranger, you welcome me. That's a scary thing. I'm not sure where I would be able to go and welcome a stranger into my home. But that's what Jesus says. When you welcome a stranger, you welcome me. That's God's way of doing things. There's another time 
when Jesus is going to preach the good news to the Samaritans, and they reject him, they say, no, you can't come here. And his disciples say, hey, can we call down hellfire on them? You know what Jesus does? He rebukes the disciples. He says that's, he doesn't really get into the details, but I can just imagine saying, that's not how we do things. You cannot force people to love you. You do not destroy people because they disagree with you. Now let's apply this to us as a church. What if we were the kind of people who lived unafraid? And again, that doesn't mean that we're not going to experience fear, but we're not going to let that fear control us. What if we're kind of people that actually believe that God is our refuge and our shelter and our strength? And what if we're the type of people who, instead of hating people who are different or being afraid of people who are different, we try to love them because perfect love casts out fear? So I want you to think about a few things this week. Of these things that I talked about, what are the ones, whether it's crime, terrorism, people of different races, poverty, what of those public fears do you struggle with? What gets you really anxious inside? And, and think about why that is. And the second question I want to ask yourself is, what is one of the most vulnerable that God is calling me to serve. Because God doesn't want you to solve all the problems of the world. He doesn't. God wants you to pick something and try to make someone's life better. To walk alongside them, hear their story, live with them, serve them. Just pick something. God will put something on your heart of the most vulnerable people and give you a vision of who you're supposed to serve. What are you most afraid of in the public sphere? Who is God calling you to serve? I want to read Psalm 46, 1 and 2 again. And I really want you to hear it this time. Because all the world around us is trying to stir up fear and make us afraid so they can control us. This is what we believe. God is our refuge and strength, a help always near in times of trouble. This is why we won't be afraid when the world falls apart, when the mountains crumble into the center of the sea. We're going to face our fears with faith. We're going to examine our assumptions with facts. We're going to attack our anxieties with action. And we're going to release our cares to God. And when we do that, we will be a people who are unafraid and living into what God has called us to do to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.